Welcome to Simply Financial with Paul Durso, your GPS to retirement. You've got to wrap yourself around a way to keep your emotions out of your decision making because whether you've raised, been raised very wealthy or raised very poor or somewhere in the middle, those strong emotions about how you view money come out. Now, your host, Paul Derso. Welcome back. I'm Paul Derso here with the legend, wait for it, non-dairy. Wait, no, it's legend. What is Le- it again? Legendary. Legendary. I'm not lactose intolerant. Yeah, very good. Charlie Bowers. And uh, we have a good show in store for you today. We're going to be talking about how you grew up. So we're going to look pat in the back, not in the, no, in the past. And, uh, and talk about some reasons why you'd want to look back. And take some experiences that you've had in the past and then use those experiences to make better decisions moving forward. And maybe a few things that we can add in there to see if we can help you make even better financial decisions. But before, yes, don't, isn't there something that you want to, I'm going to share yeah. something because yeah. I was sitting at my desk and started laughing Uh-oh. for no apparent, re- well, there was an apparent reason. I remembered a story. I'm scared. Well, you know, I've got a sister, Wendy. She's about five foot nothing. Wait, Wendy? Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y. Wendy. Oh, and she's tough, too. And she probably had to be growing up with two older brothers. So, you know, she's she's a real fireball. Yeah, I've been super nice. She has a son, my nephew, Andrew, who was playing on a soccer team when he was, I don't know, five or six years old. And apparently Wendy would uh, light into the coach just about every game about something. You're not playing him enough. He needs to be playing over here. And this was a, a British gentleman. And uh, I could tell just the little bit I saw that she was really going after it for Andrew's sake, I'm sure. Well, after one game, uh, Lori and I went and Wendy couldn't be there. So we were going to take Andrew home and it was a little bit wet. And, and bumpy out there on this dirt road that left from the soccer field to get to the main road. And the coach happened to be sitting on the truck bed. The, the tailgate was pulled down. He was sitting there. So he was facing us, and we were in the car behind him. And on that bumpy road, you know, he was bumping up and down. And every time he'd go up, Andrew said, oh, no, it's going to fall. Oh, no, it's going to fall. Oh, coach, coach. You know, and he was just so concerned about him. And when we finally got to the edge of the road, uh, the truck stopped and we stopped and I rolled down the window and I said, hey, coach, um, Andrew was really concerned that you were going to fall out of that truck and get hurt. And he goes, pity his mother doesn't feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> That's so I, not good. I, that was, it was funny. And, and I couldn't <laughs> wait to tell Wendy that story. Pity his mother doesn't feel the same. <laughs> so you're telling me that our actions carry consequences. Actions can carry consequences that carry forward into uh, who knows how far in the future. How funny is it? That was his initial reaction that it wasn't even about how awesome and cute this little kid was, but the reality is that his mom can't stand him. (laughs) Oh, but getting back to uh, the real story here today. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about how you grew up and the impacts that your past has on your present and potentially your future. So we have a couple of questions that we're going to go over, but the reality is we're going to look at it through the lens of how you make financial decisions. And that's pretty tough. If you, if I were to ask you a question right out of the gate, how you make a financial decision, what would go through your mind? Not, not you, Charlie. Okay. I'm just asking rhetorically, you know, how do you make a financial decision? Think about it for a second. Now, maybe you and I can't answer that, but let's let it sit out there for just a minute because it's a very strange question. How do you make a financial decision? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
And, you know, I don't know where you're going with that exactly, but it's going to be based on some of the things you experienced in your own life growing up. You know, whether you grew up rich or poor, or your family was kind of okay and you had no idea what was going on. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, if you're rich, I think about some of the people I know and, and you read in the paper, sometimes the kids don't turn out too well. Well, they got their own issues associated with too much stuff. Yeah, well, the the interesting aspect of the question, even take finance out. How do you make a decision? Mm-hmm. And I think studies have shown you make, what, 3,000 decisions a day or some crazy number from how what leg you're going to get out of bed with first, <laughs> you know, to what arm you hold your toothbrush with. I mean, some of them, they're just subconscious decisions. Mm-hmm. But whether it's a big decision or, or a small decision, what's the process that you walk through in making any decision. I'm sure most of us think we're very logical in the decisions we make. Absolutely. But there's so much more to that. That's right. Because yeah, we think that's right. But Well, studies have shown that of every decision you make, 86% of them are wrapped around some sort of emotion. Yep. So whether you think you're super logical or somewhat emotional or very emotional, the facts are 87 or 86% of every decision we make has a logical component to it. And I think some people recognize that when I was working for a textile company, my boss said, I want you to go out there and find some data that supports my pre-existing beliefs. And I think that's in a way what, what we do in, in some of the other decisions we make regarding finances. Yeah, absolutely. So let's jump into the, to the meat of the show and, and let, let's first understand what's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to make the greatest decisions, right? We want to be the one sitting at whatever stage of life looking back going, wow, do you remember when we were forced with that decision Mm -hmm. and we did this thing and we were probably thinking crazy about it or we weren't, we didn't know how it was going to lay, you know, kind of work itself out, but look where we are now. I mean, ultimately we want to be masters of making decisions that every decision, or at least the vast majority of the decisions we make work out to our benefit. So that's the ultimate goal. So how do we use our past to, to get there. Or how do you get past your past to get, to get there? there. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's ask a few questions. First right. one is for people who grew up poor. Mm-hmm. All right. What kind of relationship do they usually have with money as an adult? The first thing that hit me were the people that I knew from the greatest generation, or you think about the 1920s, 30s, that people grew up during the Depression, where money was kind of tough to come by just overall. Mm-hmm. And they're just very conservative in their spending, very conservative in investing. And, you know, the financial world has changed, but they were rock solid in, I'm not going to lose any money. Well, you know, for me, I, I grew up very poor. Uh, there was a couple times in my life where, we actually didn't even have a house to live in. We lived in missions and uh, inner city missions. And it was looking back, I'm, I thank God for the, the life I have lived up to this point. And I don't look back at my past when I was super poor going, that was the worst experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there's some times with looking back where I couldn't afford food in college. And, you know, I was getting ready to get kicked out because I couldn't afford to pay my next semester's bill. And, you know, miracles took place. You know, there's situations in my life where I look back and I'm like, ah, so tough, but it made me who I am. Mm -hmm. But when I look about money, I don't know if I look at the past in the money 
and how it's dealt for me or how, you know, my hand was dealt with anxiety. I, and I don't even looked at, I don't even think I look at money from my, my past mind's eye of what money could buy, but mm. what it could give. Yeah. Now, you know, all the kids had super nice clothes and had nice stuff. And I, I didn't for a lot of time, but I looked at money as something that could give me freedom because if I had money, I would have to worry about where my next meal was going to come from, where we were going to live mm-hmm. or what my dad was going to do because he, I felt like we went from job to job a lot, but I, I revered money because I felt it, it handed out freedom that the other kids didn't have to worry about the things that I found myself worrying about. Right. But it wasn't freedom that I could buy stuff, but freedom than the worry that not having money led in my family. Mm-hmm. So the, what, what I take away from my past was the fear that not having money put me in a cave. So I can see why you can come to the conclusion of, you know, holding on to it because it were, there was that fear mm-hmm. that you weren't, you weren't going to know where that next check came from. And there's a lot of people I feel like in today's society that live that way, yeah. that I don't, you got to have this reserve or they're just the opposite. They live in that fear because they got to keep up with the Joneses, but they're all driven by fear one way or the other, that they, they, they're not going to put on the front or that they're going to, they're going to run out. Yep. I don't care what side of the fence you're on. And it can be both. It's they, all fear. They're, they're going to yeah. run out, but they want the perception of, Hey, I'm keeping up with my neighbors. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So for me talking about, you know, growing up very poor, the mindset is I don't, I, I live in fear or I have the ability. If I look back in my past to live in fear because money gives me freedom or this false belief, I will say it's this, it is a false belief that money gives you freedom. You give yourself freedom. It's not the money, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So let's look at it from the flip side. This is the, these are the people that I was super jealous of. So let's talk about the the wealthy families, how do they usually end up achieving great wealth themselves as an adult? Do they usually end up achieving? Let me rephrase that question. Rephrase the question, Your Honor. Do they usually end up achieving great wealth themselves as an adult if they grew up wealthy? If you grow up wealthy, I don't know if it's do you achieve it yourself or can you maintain what your parents have given you? Sometimes you have an entitled attitude. Sometimes people say, I don't want what mom and dad have. I want to be able to achieve it for myself. They have mm-hmm. some different um, ambition behind their decision. So it's, I think it's going to be a, a case-to-case basis on what money means to, to those people. You know, when I look at my upbringing, very, very modest, very poor, and then where my kids are at now and how they're growing up is a completely different scenario and situation than how I grew up. You know, we're very blessed financially and, you know, I, we're not by any means the wealthiest family around, but by no means are we anywhere near the poorest. And it's a completely different dynamic between my, my childhood and my kid's childhood. And I don't see the drive that I had as a kid because I had nothing. Mm. I, I had my first job at 10 years old. My kids, you know, my oldest is 13, mm. getting ready to turn 14 next month. And he, he doesn't even have a job. He, he's like, I, when I even bring it up, he's like, I ain't working. Well, no, they do work here now. They yeah. do work one day a month. Well, there you go. Or a couple of days a month here, but it's, they don't view it as a job. They don't, I'm trying to teach them, but they view it as, well, I'm just going to get more free stuff. Yeah. You know, cause money holds no value to them, mm. none. And that's where it's so difficult as a parent 
to, to what do they call that? Rearing your child, right? Yeah, what does that mean? Rear is that meaning from your past experience? What is rearing? That's you're raising your kids raising your from kids? the day they're born to the. But what's the origin of that word, rear? Because it makes me think of past. I can't help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> there's gonna there's I'd something there. I'd love to help you with that, but I cannot. There's something there. Um, <laughs> but for for me, looking at the wealthy, I, I think it's. If, if it's, if you are, if you were raised in a, in a wealthy family, if you weren't raised with the sense of money, the way, um, how do, how do I explain this? I, I, I'm struggling to raise my kids the way I was just because it's easier to not talk about it. Cause we have it. Mm-hmm. Then growing up, the experience was we don't have it. So what can we afford that? The conversations yeah. were always there. We don't have those conversations. We try but it has no meaning behind it because they're like, mm. we'll just go pay for it. Well, there, there's so much to life that has to be intentional, especially when you're rearing your children. And, and unfortunately, there's not necessarily a blueprint laid out in front of you to say, oh, I really need to address this mm-hmm. and this with my kids. But our clients are out there and our clients and the people that were probably listening to this either have had, they've either raised their kids or they're looking at that next generation of grandkids going, mm. how can we instill in them? So what do we tell them? What do we teach them on how they can impact their kids to understand money and its value and where its place is? Because money has a place. It's mm-hmm. not to be revered. It's to be put in a place. Yep. So what do we tell them? It's a tool and it has to be viewed appropriately. How do you instill in a wealthy kid the value of money? Yes. That's what you got? That's all I got for you yes. right there. Yes. Wow. I don't have any wealthy kids. You know, my, no, no. my daughter told me one time, you know, Dad, Justin Bieber came from nothing to be what he is today. And I told her, Jordan, I'm trying to give you the same opportunity. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, I had clients in my office yesterday. And one was from Peru and the other one was from Colombia. And we started talking about the contravirus or coronavirus. And, um, and they're going to, they're getting ready to go to some third world country. And I said, aren't you worried? And they're not going, they're going in a couple months. Mm-hmm. I said, aren't you worried about the virus? And, and she's like, no, why would I be worried about the virus? And she's like, and the husband chimes up. He's like, we don't have any fear about that. I'm like, why not? And, and, and she goes, cause we, we weren't born in America. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? She's like, you don't know what it's like to grow up on the streets of Columbia where the CVS across the street is owned by a drug dealer. And you're worried that every time you walk in there, it's going to get blown up by the other guy across the street. Who's his rival. You don't understand what it's like to grow up in fear that your life is nothing more than a tool to somebody else and how they can get ahead. Mm -hmm. So you learn to deal with that in every situation and circumstance that you grow up with, you get through. So this is just another one. We see this virus as just something else that's spreading around. So you be careful you do your homework, you do your research, but you never live in fear. Yeah. If we lived in fear, we'd have never grown up. Wow. And I was like, it was just such a That's an eye, eye opener for me because yeah. the whole perspective of you're, you're just a bunch of rich brats here in America. You live in fear about everything because if it's not handed you in a silver platter, you're not interested. Mm-hmm. And it was just such an eye opener for me because I'm like, wow, good grief. There might be something to that. Yeah, there was, <laughs> there was, it was a pretty cool lesson for me. And you know what? We've gone a long time, so we need to take a break here for you a second. Take a break? We need to take a break. We need to play a game. 
and uh, break okay. up the the heaviness of today's show. Let's find something good. So we got a we it, like on every single show we've got this fun little wheel of games. We're gonna give it a quick spin. There's ten games listed on this. Wherever it stops, we're gonna play that game. So let's. Uh, hey Charlie, why don't you give that thing a no, spin? Let me do that. Cock right? Oh. One's got to go. One's got to go. There's always got to be that one, right? There is. And I've got the magic envelope right here Okay. with the question. Just for In you. all disclosure, I have no idea where we're going here. We're going to say one's got to go, and this is going to be based on rules of thumb. Oh, great. One of these rules of thumb has got to go, Paul. So rule of thumb is taxes are going to be lower in retirement, and you're going to need less income. Write that down. The taxes. Taxes. Rule of thumb, roll, uh, rule of 100, that's how much money you should have in the market, which is based on 100 minus your age. So 100 minus 60 means 40% is the maximum amount of money you should have in the market at risk. Okay. All right. And rule of thumb number three, it's from old English law. It's the, re- the, the definition of rule of thumb. It is the maximum size stick thickness of a stick that a man could beat his wife with. <laughs> what? That's right. That's the as thick of the stick as you could use when beating your wife. That's the rule. That's where the rule of thumb came from. So one of those has to go, Paul. I am I'm I'm struggling with this one because what <laughs> <laughs> I I can't believe that you what? Yeah. We've gone dark again here. You, yeah. you have gone dark here. <laughs> I'm I'm actually a little uncomfortable right now. All right. Yeah. Well, so the original rule of thumb, just to be clear here, because that doesn't even seem like this is a tough question. So the original rule of thumb was how big the thickness of a stick that, that you, you could beat your wife with. Legally. Legally. Beat legally. Her. Legally beat her, yeah. From e- e- old, old English law. Old, old yeah. English law. Okay, that's interesting. And then the other one was the rule of thumb, the rule of 100, which is it's based on your age. You take 100 minus your age and whatever the balance is, is left in the market. Right, right. Doesn't seem anywhere close to the first one. And then the, the, well, sorry, then the last one, the first one you said was taxes. What was Lower in retirement. Oh, the rule of thumb is that when you retire taxes, you're going to pay less in taxes. Pay less in taxes because you don't need less income. Well, there's no way I'm beating my wife. Okay. So that's out of the, so that there's no. That's the one that has to go? That's gone. There's no way. I don't care what the others are unless they involve any physical violence to anybody else. Well, There's I, no decision there for me. I don't know. I thought that uh, the rule of 100 would have to go because if someone really believed in that, they could be making a bad mistake. With the taxes being lower in retirement, that might not impact somebody's decision. It might just be kind of a belief they have. And since Lori follows this rule with me, that's the maximum <laughs> size stick she'll hit me with. I think that that's only fair. Said, we can keep that say, going. Did you say spouse or, or wife? Uh, wife, but, you know, so she, you're, it's a reciprocal kind of thing. <laughs> oh, here, right? oh yeah. okay. So I, I think that's the one I'm going to say is the rule of 100 needs to go. For you, because yeah. your wife beats you? Because, you know, it's, it's a very fair marriage. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Well, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's bring this, uh, this, this show home here. So we've been talking about how you grew up and how your past experiences can truly help you make good financial smart decisions moving forward. So the last thing that we're going to talk about is how do you really communicate about money in a productive way, you know, in a healthy way to either your kids, your friends, your your coworkers, anybody understanding really where you came from and, and what would be 
the best financial way or, or best decision, best way of making a financial decision moving forward? Well, you know, I, I think people have to recognize they have a past and they have experiences that may uh, cause them to think the way they do, to feel emotional about certain things like, like market volatility mm -hmm. or, or any number of things that could impact a decision and based on what we said earlier, an emotional decision. Absolutely. So is there some way to take some, to, to recognize where you're coming from and be able to take some of the emotion out of certain financial decisions? Well, me personally, I think emotions play such a big role, not only scientifically and we can prove it or it has been proven that emotions play such a big role. And how do you keep those, those emotions in check? Because I've, I was raised a very specific way about money. I'm raising my or rearing my kids a very specific way about money and I'm, and very transparently I'm I'm struggling with it because how do you how do you raise a kid a child to be grateful and to understand the value of money when they don't believe it has value to yeah, be when they've not with? had to experience yeah and any. and what do you do do you 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 live completely different to to prove something like that that's just a struggle. It's a struggle my wife and I talk about often. We read lots of books on it. It's it's a it's difficult. Yeah, um, it really not is. impossible. Um, but we've learned the younger your kids are, the more difficult that is. The older they are, I guess the easier it becomes to teach. Maybe, but you know, it's like the clients you had in here yesterday. The people you were seeing. Sometimes you need to let them see the rest of the world. Um, he, they call him at the school he goes to. They have it's called. J, J, not J, J, J semester or something is something along those lines. And it's where every student in the high school go, uh, travels and they go to either, um, international or domestic. And it's, and it's a, it's a missions trip. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he's like, I'm going to go to Costa Rica. And, and I said, why? And he's like, well, because that mission trip's wrapped around soccer and volleyball and, and it's in Costa Rica. And I said, Evan, first of all, can parents come? Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said, I'd love to experience that with you. And I said, secondly, that's going to change your life. And he said, why? And I said, because you're going to see how other people live that don't live in America. Mm -hmm. And that's going to give you a perspective that I could never teach. You just have to experience it and see it. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Maybe, maybe that's some of the answers around it. But the reality is for what we're trying to get out of this particular show without diving too much too deep in that, is you've got to wrap yourself around a way to keep your emotions out of your decision making. Because whether you've raised, been raised very wealthy or raised very poor or somewhere in the middle, those strong emotions about how you view money come out. Mm -hmm. They might be right. They might be wrong. I have no idea. But in making a decision, how you feel is, is dangerous yeah. in making decisions. It's almost like wrapping a protective barrier around yourself, like playing football, you got your helmet, you got your pad, you yeah. protect yourself. And that's, and those emotions sport. play those roles Yeah, because yeah. you've either had positive or negative experiences about those feelings and they're going to drive your decision. Mm -hmm. And that's where having some element of emotion free decision-making makes really sense. You know, regardless of positive or never ne negative experiences, you need to remove your emotions from every single decision or as best you can, even if yeah. it's just a little bit, that's that much closer you're going to be to making a good sound financial decision because you're distancing yourself between how you feel 
about money or a decision. I mean, that's probably a learned uh, characteristic. Absolutely. That, that the, the more you can do it, the more you see it, the more you say, yeah, you know, this, this really helps me. Statistically, right who manages money better, men or women? Do you know the answer to that? I'm not going to venture a guess on this. <laughs> well, you talk about beating women. <laughs> that, that, that could have been the first time I got whacked with that. Well, statistically, it's in my, my new book that's coming out, but uh, women uh, by the, I don't know, I don't remember who did the, the study. It's done a couple times, but the study that I quoted in my book, it was four tenths of a percent uh, women beat men. It was probably written by a woman. I don't care. Study there. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I will say I believe it. Yeah. And here's why. Because a, a woman, and this, I don't know how you say this without sounding sexist, but I feel like a woman has a less ability of allowing her pride to get in front of her decisions, where a man would trip over his pride to make a decision because I'm, I'm just a prideful guy. My woman, my, my woman, my wife would look at me and so many decisions going, what the heck is wrong with you? Yeah. Can't you see your pride? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Who? What, what pride? And she's like, man, you are blind. Where I, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I don't want to compartmentalize men and women here, but that has to be part of the reason where a woman can recognize quicker when she's getting in her own way. Maybe it's the compassion component. I, mm, I don't know. And again, that without coming across as, you know, sexist or one way or the other that I view somebody better than the other. And I'm not trying to sound that way, but the statistics prove that. So regardless of the rationale behind it, it, it boils down to not getting in your way, mm-hmm. wrapping something around you that helps you get out of your way, whether it's not looking at the price you bought something or not looking at specifically the reasons to sell something, but the goal and purpose of why you purchased it and where you're going to go with that investment. Yeah. So it's having plans in place. It's having barriers in place that protect you from yourself. You're, you're your biggest enemy. That's right. It, the external, exterior, uh, external issues that surround you are way easier to deal with mm-hmm. than your own self. Yeah, and uh, we offer here our simplicity analysis mm-hmm. that really helps you plan, gives you sound results to... Uh, to make those good decisions and, and maybe take a little bit of the emotion out of those decisions. And, and it's really easy to do is you just got to call, set up an appointment and then we'll, we'll get you a plan. So it's, it's a really a great um, opportunity to, to put up some protective barriers. Absolutely. So if you want to learn more, you can go to our website, insightfolios.com or jump on the phone, give us a call 704-529-9500. Again, one more time, insightfolios.com. Or 704-529-9500. But, you know, Paul, let's say someone does protect themselves. What, what, how are they going to come out ahead? What, what's that going to ch- how, how will that change their life to have a, a plan like that? Simplicity? Yeah. Well, it gives direction. It gives direction. So their future, they got a future with, with confidence, not so much worrying. They, they can travel. They know they got the money to see the grandkids. And that can impact the way they react with their children and grandchildren, like you brought earlier. Brought well, people want to be heard, but they also want to understand that people are listening. Yeah. So when you go sit down with a financial advisor and you share your heart and then he or she just has an agenda already and they're just kind of, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Okay, let me show you what I, what I want to sell you today. That's not being heard. No. That, that, that's just you sharing your heart and somebody going, okay, let me tell you why I, what I want to show you or sell you today. So what Simplicity does 
it's putting yourself in a situation where you're going to share your thoughts, your hearts, your, where you are financially, and you're going to see it in a plan. And it doesn't matter how good or bad somebody knows how to listen because you're going to see your plan and that plan drives that direction. Mm-hmm. And it's going to help you understand how you're going to get where you want to go because you're going to put your scenario in the plan itself. And it's going to very simply lay out where you want to go. And all you need to do is just figure out what makes it work the best. And it doesn't matter how good or bad the financial, well, it does matter how good or bad the financial yeah. advisor but not as much if you didn't have a plan. But to have that guide right in front of you to let you know what you should be doing, what you could be doing, it's what huge. your future could look like. And we've had so many clients just smile they when they it. see their plan, when they Absolutely. come in and update it and see how much better they're doing. It's that, it's that learned practice, you know, I come in this year, next year, and, and the plan just keeps getting better and better. It's one of those things where they're like, you know, I really like you, but I love my plan, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So if you want, again, last time, if you want to learn more, insightfolios.com or give us a call, 704-529-9500. Have a great day. Bye. Now for our fast-talking fine print. The information presented is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax investment or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered through Insight Folios, Inc., a SEC-registered investment advisor. The firm only transacts business in states where it is notice filed or is excluded or exempted from notice filing requirements. Insurance products and services are offered through Durso Capital Management Company. Insight Folios, Inc. and Durso Capital Management Company are affiliated companies and do not offer legal or tax advice. Paul Alderso and Charles B. Bowers Jr. are investment advisor representatives of Insight Folios, Inc. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.